Good morning, church. How are you guys? Good morning. How are you guys? Good, pretty good. I want to say good morning to the traditional service. Are there people over in the traditional service right now? Make sure I'm not waving to an empty room. Um, I think they're over there. Yes, somebody. Yes, they are. Okay, great. Well, hello, everyone over there. I told the first service I'd rather be over with you guys. This is kind of more my vibe. Um, but, but I can hang out here with the haze and the lights and the fog. This is good. Um, I, I'm just grateful to be with you guys this morning. It's, uh, um, you know, when Trevor asked me to uh, come, and, come and speak to the students this weekend, I was like, okay, that, I mean, that's awesome. They've had me speak. Uh, how many men were here for like the oyster thing? I was my very first oyster I've ever had in my entire life. And it was the last one um, also. Uh, so I did that with the men, and then they invited me to do a men's, uh, like, online conference I did, and they had me come with the students, and I'm like, why don't you trust me with the ladies? What is it? And they're like, no, 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 this weekend you'll actually be able to speak to them too. I was like, yes. So uh, the decision makers I am in front of now. So I'm grateful to be with Ed, the entire church. Um, and then also, then he told me what I was going to be speaking about to the adults. Um, we're going to be, we're continuing in the, the study of Acts in the Church of Acts, and we're, con- we're continuing um, just, just in, in chapter 8. Um, we're going to be going through in just a second, verse, chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. So, like, I read it, and I was like, oh, man. Like, why'd you give the guest speaker this one? Like, this is the, this is the passage that everyone's going to email you about. Like, and he's like, well, exactly, because then they don't have to email you. We can just say, it was cool, well, it was Carlos. He's never coming back. So, uh, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm excited to be able to uh, maybe poke the bear a little bit this morning, maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Um, and it's not going to be me that's going to be making you uncomfortable, FYI. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. And that is the role of Holy Spirit, is to press into parts of our lives where we may need to adjust. And so this morning, I'm going to give you plenty of opportunities uh, to feel that. And um, before we, we get in, just a little bit about me. For those that don't know, no, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee uh, with my beautiful wife, Heather. We've been married 20 years, and um, we've got an 18-year-old who's a freshman in college. A, I know I don't look it. Um, we've got a 17-year-old who's a junior in high school, but also doing the dual enrollment thing to where when she graduates, she'll have her associate's degree. Like, where was that when I was in high school? That's awesome. Uh, and then I've got a 14-year-old son um, who uh, we adopted from Korea uh, when he was an infant. And so that, that's my family. I love them. They're waiting for me in Nashville, and I'm grateful that they let me come. Um, so also when I, when I found out I was going to be reading from um, the book of Acts, and oh, also, also I got I to gotta, I gotta fix one thing that, you know, Stallion said. My, he introduced me as Carlos, and as I've told the students, you guys remember how to pronounce my name? Yeah, yeah, it's not Carlos, it's Carlos. Okay, so I need you in your best South Carolina accent to make me feel a little bit more at home and just give me a traditional service as well. Give me a good morning, Carlos. That was way better than the first service. Okay, we have, we have more people that took Spanish in high school in here. That's great. Um, and so I, I say that because I, I need to let you know a little bit about my heritage. Um, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead up into this, into this story. The story is, is at least the little title in my Bible. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. My Bible says, 
the conversion of the Ethiopian official. Some of your Bibles are going to say the conversion of the Ethiopian Enoch. Okay, and we're going to get into who he was and why he was in a second. But I called my dad, who is one of the greatest preachers that I know. Um, th this man, I grew up under his preaching, and he's a black Panamanian from Colón, Panama. And my father, Fermín Agustín Huitiquer is his name. And whenever I'd get in trouble, it was, my name wasn't Carlos. It was Carlos Enrique Huitiquer Guzmán Cabello. Ven aquí. And I knew I was in trouble, right? And so, so my dad, my dad, when I told him this, he goes, oh. He goes, I felt like that Ethiopian Enoch many times. I was like, really, dad? I was like, can you write my sermon for me? Have you preached one already? Like, can I just preach yours? He's like, no. I felt like him when I moved to America. And I said, why? And, and here's the deal. My, my father, he's a black man in Panama, okay? So one thing I had to explain to a lot of my friends this, this year, as obviously there's been conversations that a lot of us haven't had before, which is totally fine to ask questions. They were like, well, wait a second. How's your dad black? But he speaks Spanish. And, and you know what? When they said that, I tried to, like, not pick my jaw up off the floor. I was like, we do know that slave ships didn't just have, like, a nonstop flight to America. Right? Like, like there's black people all over the world. And so, like, I explained to them this. And so I told my dad this, and he, he would laugh. He goes, oh, I felt like the Ethiopian. And you'll know why in a second when we read scripture. Because your grandparents... In 1960, took their black son, and they gave me $20 cash. They gave, they gave my father a $20 U.S. currency, and they gave him a shoeshine kit. And they put my father on an airplane with a one-way ticket from Panama City, Panama, to LAX. And in 1960, my black father, who didn't speak English, so strike one, Strike two, 1960, lands at LAX. And all he knows to do is he takes his $20 and he goes outside and he sits on a shoe shine kit and he starts shining shoes. And my dad shined shoes for two years at LA Community College. Excuse me, at LAX. Then he saved enough money for one semester at LA Community College. So he goes to LA Community College. He takes English as a second language. He does all the things. He gets straight A's. He gets a scholarship to the next semester. LA Community College. Gets straight A's, gets a scholarship for another year, gets straight A's, gets a scholarship to UCLA, gets straight A's, gets a scholarship to the next level of school, way too much school, gets straight A's, and now my father is Dr. Fermin Agustin Whitaker. Yeah, you can give him a round of applause. And here's the beautiful thing. That can only happen in America, right? We, we live in the greatest country on planet Earth. Like, my, my, my father is the American dream. But he knew when he got here in 1960, he'll, he'll tell me the stories. It wasn't easy for a black man that didn't speak English. And then he'll let me know that in 2021, he's 79 now. He's like, it's still not as easy as it needs to be. And he lets me know this. But here's the deal. We are proud of our country. I'm a proud American. I need you to actually see a picture of my father so you can see who he was. I mean, just, just if we got a picture of my, look at look at him living his best immigrant life at his timeshare in Hawaii. He's like, look what I've done. And I know some of you guys are thinking, I've seen that man somewhere before. And you're actually right, because let's put another picture. My dad's actually the emoji 
on your phone. How amazing. The first time I saw that on my phone, I was like, Daddy. I, I, don't, I don't even say I love you to him anymore. I just send him that emoji like 100 times a day. And uh, anyway, that's my dad. And so he tells me, he's like, I felt like the Ethiopian because when I came to America, I felt like an outcast. And the Ethiopian in this scripture was an outcast. He was a deviant. And, and he, he was on the outside. He said, I felt like him until a family took me in. And we're going to talk about what it looks like for us. We're going to continue on in this journey. What it looks like for us as a church to think outside of the box to be the hands and feet of Jesus, maybe in uncomfortable ways. So if you got your Bible, let's go ahead and open it up and let, let's get into the, into the, the eyes of, of Philip, who was a disciple, and also of the Ethiopian Enoch. So for, for a second before we hop into the scripture, let's talk about what an Enoch is. Okay, so it's a weird word. Uh, it, it's a high court official, somebody that was involved in the queen's court in Ethiopia. And so Here's the deal. The reason why he was an outsider is he was castrated. And Enoch's all throughout history were castrated so that they had one focus. Their focus was not on anything else. It was on one focus. And so it was an extreme form of devotion. And so we've got, he's a deviant because of that reason as he's going down the road, but he's also a deviant because of his race as he's going down the road. And here's where we find ourselves in the story, Okay. 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now, already, already we're, we're talking about like some supernatural stuff. You got angels talking to humans. That's kind of weird, but it happened. And the angel says to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to desert Gaza. So Philip got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man, an Enoch, and a high official of Candace queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem, and he was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. So you got the Enoch, he's, just imagine for a second, going down a dirt road, bouncing around, he's got the book of Isaiah in his lap, and he's reading it out loud. Kind of strange, but okay. So he's reading it out loud. And then it says, The spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. So first of all, you got an angel telling Philip where to go, okay? So the angel tells Philip to go down this road. So Philip's like, okay, I'll go down the road. Then you got the spirit telling Philip to actually go up to the chariot. Now we got two times that God's talking to Philip before he even has one interaction with the Enoch. So Philip does it. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says to the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian says, how can I, he says, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now you got Philip sitting in homeboy's chariot. Some, some random dude. That, and Philip's probably thinking like, God, what are you doing? Like I was just at home like sipping on my soup or whatever he was doing. And an angel shows up, he's like, go down this road. So he's going down the road. I don't know why I'm going down the road. Oh, there's a chariot. There's a dude reading Isaiah. And then the Spirit, Holy Spirit says, yeah, now go up to the chariot. So Philip's like, God, this is really weird. Okay, that's fine. So I'm gonna go up to the chariot. Then this dude invites him into the chariot. You never know what you're gonna get when you listen to God. He's gonna take you some strange places. 
So now he's up there with him. And he says to him, how can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip up and he sat with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. I love this part. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? I mean, this guy's like ready, right? Like there's ever been somebody ready to have Jesus in their life? This is the guy. This guy's like, hey, you just told me about Jesus, about him getting baptized. There's some water. Maybe I could get baptized. So, of course, it goes on. And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azeris and passing through, he was evangelizing all the towns. So we got this story of Philip minding his own business at home, an angel showing up saying, hey, go down to this road. Philip goes to the road. Spirit shows up and says, go up to the chariot. He goes up to the chariot, and he's just following the prompting of God, and the prompting of God is actually the thing that allowed him to lead this Ethiopian to the Lord. So we've got a lot of things happening in there, and we could break this down for weeks upon end, but I just want to touch on a couple things, three things in particular that I feel like every single person in the traditional service, in the contemporary service, can take away to be more like Philip in the hands and feet of Jesus and what we've been called to do. The first thing that we see is that Philip actually heard from God. So, I mean, that's like step one. Like, if you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, if you want to be like the church in Acts, you've got to be able to hear from God. So I was talking to the students this weekend about how do we hear from God? There's two ways that we hear from God that I talked to them about. The first one was... We hear from God when we pay attention. Because I believe Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time. But there's a second way. Students, does everyone, anyone remember the second way we hear from God? What do we got to do? Ask questions. They remembered. <laughs> Amazing. Give them a round of applause. Come on, guys. There was like a seventh grader that answered me this morning. That was like a miracle. 24 hours later, he remembered. That was amazing. So, the students know how to hear from God. You've got to ask questions. You've got to pay attention. And so I'm gonna tell a story I told yesterday to them because I need you guys to know how God is constantly communicating with you. And if you are going to be the ones that I believe bridges the divide in a very broken country right now, the church needs to be that bridge. The church needs to be the one that leads people not to a left or a right, but to the cross. That's where we need to be building this bridge towards. But in order to get there, we've got to hear from God. So how in the world do we do that? Well, we ask God questions. He's speaking to us. Prayer is not a speech from us to God. Guess what? Prayer is a conversation, which means we talk to God and he does what? He talks back. He, he, talks, he actually talks back to us. 
He does. I have a friend of mine named Marcus that knows I love to teach people about hearing from God. And so I, he, I invited him to coffee because he's like, can you teach me how to hear from God? So we show up and he has his, his little moleskin notebook and his, and his pen and he's about to, I think he thinks I'm gonna give him like three, three ways to hear from God. But unfortunately, that's not what I did. I said, hey, guess what? Right now, in the next one minute, you're gonna hear from God. He's like, what do you mean, man? I was like, no, trust me. He's like, no, no, I, I, I brought you here so you could teach me how. I was like, no, you're gonna hear from him. So I said, I want you to ask God where you and I should go to lunch after we have coffee. God's gonna tell me where we're gonna go to lunch? I mean, hey, let's go back to Acts for a second. An angel told Philip, get down, go south on the road that goes towards Jerusalem. Listen, God's gonna tell you specifically where to go. He is that specific. We don't serve a vague God. We serve a very specific God. And the reason why Marcus didn't want to ask where we were going to lunch, let me tell you why. You all know why. It's because he was scared he wasn't going to hear. That's why we don't ask God for things. Because we're scared that if we ask, he may not answer. I was like, no, go ahead, just ask. He's like, okay. He kind of rolled his eyes and crossed his fingers like this. He kind of aimed his mouth at heaven. Then he's like, dear God, where should me and Carlos go to lunch? He was talking a little slower than he normally does. I don't know if he thought God needs him to talk slow or whatever. Then after like a minute, he's like, amen. Like maybe you have to say amen for God to hear you. So then he, he covered his bases. And then I just let him sit there. Just super uncomfortable for like a minute. He's like. <sighs> Kept picking up his phone, looking at I was like, God's not going to text you, bro. Like, I don't know what you're doing. And, He's like, I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. I was like, oh. I was like, did you, did you sense something? Did you, did you see something? He's like, oh, feelings? Everybody has feelings. How do I know if that was God or my stomach? I don't know. I said, hey, don't edit Holy Spirit. Friends, we edit Holy Spirit way too often. No, no, that couldn't have been God. No, no, that wasn't God. I'll just edit it into kind of what I want. I said, don't edit Holy Spirit. What did you see? Finally, I made him say it. He said, well, when I was praying, I did see that, that Thai restaurant over in Tennessee Titan Stadium parking lot, Thai Phuket. I was like, oh, Thai food, it must be God. Then let's go. So I love Thai food. So we went. And I go, and I, I ordered my Thai chicken curry soup. It was amazing. He, uh, he ordered his, his meal. It was, it was a great meal, but guess what? It's kind of boring. Not, the, the steam of my soup didn't turn into the face of Jesus or anything. Like, it was well, It was normal. We'd actually forgotten that we'd asked God where to go to lunch. So we go out to the car. And I walk and I get in my minivan. Marcus, a little younger than me, he got on his motorcycle. And as we get in our respective vehicles, I need you to imagine the most redneck human being you know. You got it? Now, I need you to multiply that times 100. And whoever that is, came tearing out of Thai Phuket. Hey, man. Hey, man, you. Hey, man. Hey, man, you. And he's shaking his finger like this. And he's shaking his finger. He said, hey, man, you. Hey, and he runs up to Marcus. He goes, you're going to think I'm crazy, man. You're going to think I'm crazy, man. You're going to think I'm crazy, man. And we were both like, yes. Because <laughs> you think I'm crazy, man. But do you sometimes work on your laptop over at Frothy Monkey, that coffee shop at 12 South? 
Jesus is like, yeah. He's like, man, you're going to think I'm crazy. But I was in there reading my Bible a few weeks ago, and you came walking in, and I felt like Holy Spirit told me to pray for you, but I was chicken because that was weird. So I'm just in here a few weeks later sipping on my soup, and you came walking in. And oh, my God, I couldn't let you leave twice. The Holy Spirit was like, chase him. So I chased you out here. Can I please pray for you? Marcus's eyes got this big, and I got in my minivan and left him in that parking lot with a weird man all by himself. And Marcus called me 10 minutes later, his voice trembling, and he said, God answered my specific question. Friends, <laughs> some of you guys may be thinking this is a coincidence. That would be a coincidence if you ask God a question and that's the only time it ever happened. But when you begin to ask God every single day specific questions, it is no longer a coincidence. He is speaking to us all the time, guiding you. And you need to start asking, Holy Spirit, who are the people in my life, maybe the deviants like the Ethiopian Enoch in my life that I need to go to? And he will begin to direct you to those places, of places of being really uncomfortable, places of being around people that maybe don't look like you, they don't think like you, they don't talk like you, they don't, dare I say it, Vote like you. 2020 has ripped us apart. I see family members not speaking to each other anymore. And it breaks the heart of God. I see churches split in half. And it breaks the heart of God. It does. Because we're so entrenched now in just being around people in our bubbles, in our silos, people that look like us, think like us, talk like us. And that's not what the gospel is. That's not what it is. It's not what it looks like. It looks like us. Honestly, getting past ourselves and realizing this isn't about us or trying to convince people to think like us. It's about trying to convince people to think like Jesus. Convince people to think like Holy Spirit and allow Holy Spirit to think for them and for us. We can't live this Christian life on our own with our own opinions. We're not strong enough to do it. We have to allow Christ through us, the hope of glory, to live our life for us. And friends, when that happens, we're gonna start hearing from Holy Spirit. He's gonna start directing you to some chariots that are gonna be uncomfortable. And here's the next point. If the first point is hear from Holy Spirit to get outside the box, the second one is to meet them where they are at. We have to meet the people that need the gospel where they're at. Listen, I, I mean, I love, I love Sunday mornings. Whether you're in the traditional service or in here, I love the haze and the lights and the band. And, and guess what? This will never be cool enough to convince somebody to come to church. I'm here to tell you that there, there's nothing cool that we can do anymore on a Sunday. Our job is not to be cool. Our job is not try to woo people in here with like slick graphics and messages and things. This is great for us that are here. But people that are far from God aren't gonna be convinced to come to your church because it looks a certain way or people sing a certain way. You've got to go to them don't make them come to you. That's what I love what happened when the Spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. The Spirit didn't say, woo him off the chariot. 
How many times are we trying to convince people far from God? Just come here. Come to us. Come to my thing. Come to my thing. And listen, again, I'm not knocking outreach. I think outreach is fine. I think some people will come. But I promise you that the majority of people in this country that need the hope of Jesus Christ are not going to come to your cool event. You've got to go to their chariot. You've got to go to where they're at. And where they're at, I promise you, is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of us. They're not hanging out in spaces that we normally hang out in. But we've got to go to meet them where they're at. If you look at the church and what happened in Acts as the church scattered across the globe, I think last week Trevor was talking about just the, the rapid acceleration of growth from like 20,000 to like 20 million or something like that. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that's how fast it scattered. Listen, I honestly believe that the scattering of the church began to include those considered on the outside. It began to radically include people like this Ethiopian Enoch who was not allowed to worship in many places because of his race and because of the deviance of what has happened to his body. He was not allowed into places, but Philip went right up to him. He got uncomfortable and he was the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got to meet them where they're at. And now listen, I'm not talking about just like hard things. Yes, there's hard, hard places we've got to meet people where they're at. But there's some people that just drive you crazy that bother you, that you don't want to meet them where they're at. Like my 12-year-old. She would drive me crazy. Something happened between 11 and 12. At 11, she thought I was Prince Charming. I'd walk in from a trip. She's like, Daddy. And then at 12, something broke. I'd come home from work trips, and I was like, hey, it's me. I was like, hey, baby, how, how was school today? Fine. How was gymnastics? Fine. What is wrong with her? So I went to my wife. I was like, she's on drugs. <laughs> so I go, go in a room, and I'm looking in her drawers, and I'm looking for drugs. I can't find drugs. And I'm like, oh, it's got to be something else. So I grab her phone, and I'm like looking at her phone. I'm like, who's she talking to? Who's she? And I see this one YouTube video that she keeps watching over and over. And it's a YouTube video of a kid flipping a water bottle. You ever seen that? The kid's flipping a water bottle. And it's a kid winning a talent show <laughs> for flipping a water bottle. This is where talent has come in our country. But, but the reason why it was, it was talent is because he actually flipped it and it landed to the beat of the song, which was kind of cool. So I was like, all right, I got to meet her where she's at, right? I got to go to her chariot, right? So she's at gymnastics and I, I go and I grab a water bottle. Try to flip it and I was like, this is harder than it looks. So it takes me an hour, and I finally kind of get it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to download the song of the guy that won the talent show. So let me show you for a second the video that she was watching on her phone so you can see what I was trying to do. Watch this. Like he just hit the final shot in March Madness, right? They went crazy. So I'm looking at that. I'm like, all right, whatever. So she comes home. I was like, hey, baby, how was gymnastics? Fine. How was school? Fine. Hey, baby, you want to go outside in the backyard with daddy and do a dual father-daughter water bottle flip? 
And face goes, yeah, dad, I'd love to do that. So okay, come on. Hey, listen, I downloaded the song of the guy that won the talent show. What if we did it together on Facebook Live? Yeah, dad, I would love that. So we go in the backyard and let me show you what it looked like to meet her at her chariot. Watch this. excited the father or the daughter I couldn't believe we did it and we go back inside she goes to her room gets back on her phone I go to the sofa get back on my phone I'm just as bad as she is watching the news and about five minutes later she comes walking out this hasn't happened in months and she just sits right next to me digs her head into my chest and just lays there and I got her back because I went to her chariot for about 45 seconds. Then she left. But we're called to not invite those far to us, but to go to them. What, what, what is their chariot? The person, maybe in your family, that you've had a, a, a divisive disagreement in 2020. It could be mass, COVID, politics, whatever it is and they're gone, how can you go meet them at their chariot and do this? Listen to understand. Don't listen to reply. Can I say that again? If anyone just takes one thing away today, this can be the thing that can help heal a lot of the relationships in your life. Listen to understand. Don't listen to reply. And meet them at their chariot. And now, that, I mean, that, that's like a, I mean, that's hard. And sometimes it's not going to be as simple as a water bottle. A lot of times the chariot you're going to meet them is like on another planet. And you're like, I don't know if I can get there, Carlos. Like, I don't, I don't know. What, I'm sorry that it's not me asking you to do this. This is just the gospel. You've, you've got to go meet them where they're at. And then last but not least, so we've hear from Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you what road to go down. When you go down the road and you finally see the person that you need to be the hands and feet of Jesus to, you don't need to ask them to get off the chariot. You need to get up on their chariot with them. It's going to be the most uncomfortable ride for a lot of your lives. Once you're on the chariot, you know, Philip was on a chariot with somebody that nobody else would talk to. He was on a chariot, in the chariot with the guy. Again, he didn't, I want you to know that he didn't make him get off. He got into his world. That's what it's gonna take, you being so uncomfortable. And I believe that Philip put all the things aside that were in the way of relationship with them too. There's a lot of things that are in the way of relationship with people that God has placed in your life and you're allowing a difference of political beliefs, a difference of all the beliefs to get in the way of the work God has for you in their life. Again, this is the point where you guys get to start emailing your pastor. You don't have to email me. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch on a few things here. 
I believe the way that we do this is simple. People ask me all the time, Carlos, because I'm an author, a public figure, where do you stand on this issue? I want to know where you stand on the issue of fill in the blank. And I always tell people, oh, I don't, I don't stand on issues. I walk with people. I don't stand on issues. I walk with people. We need to stop standing on issues and start walking with the people that those issues reflect. That's going to be really uncomfortable. Because issues aren't issues. Issues are humans. Issues are children of God. They're not issues. So if you have a problem with an issue, you need to go walk with the person in that issue. And suddenly that's not going to change your mind on the issue, but it's going to allow you to feel the humanity of the issue. So I'm going to touch a little bit more than I did on the first service just because I feel like you guys can handle it. Last summer, Black Lives Matter. How marked this organization trying to disrupt the family values, yada, 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 yada. How can you stand on that issue? Instead of standing on the issue, go find somebody that's marching and walk with them and find out why. Find out why it is that, that, that they're so passionate about this. Find out why. Walk with them. Oh, I'm going to talk to the other people now. People that are marching on Black Lives Matter, oh, you know, it's police, police this, police that. Like, well, don't talk to me about Blue Lives Matter. Police need to stop beating down. Are you friends with the law enforcement officer? Are you in a relationship with the law enforcement officer? If you feel so strongly about police brutality and all these things about law enforcement or no-knock warrants, whatever, go find a police officer and become a friend with them. Walk in relationship with them. Different sides of the aisle. If you're so passionate about this one thing, are you walking with people on the other side? This isn't one side or the other. It's what we're called to do. Ooh, and I know that's hard. I know it is. But I've got to be in relationship with the people that I disagree with in order for me to be Jesus to them. We have to. So we can't stand on issues. We've got to walk with people. And I'm going to be even more vulnerable with you guys. You see, we all have biases in here, all of us. We all have racial bias. Yes, you. Yes, me. We all have racial bias. We all have gender bias. Yes, you. Yes, me. We all have bias about the other gender. We all have sin bias. Yes, you. You know, you, people always, they're always telling me like, Carlos, I wish you'd talk on Instagram more about sin. And I'm like, well, can you tell me your sin so I could talk about it some more? <laughs> oh, no, 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 not mine. Right? Because we got, our sins are Okay. But can you talk about that one? Can you talk about the one where hardly anyone's struggling with it? But I I really, we we need to talk about that one. We all have biases. And we've got to call out the bias in our own lives in order to truly be able to do what Philip did. Because if there's any bias in you, it's going to lead the conversation astray. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. And this is difficult. Call out the bias in your life. Let me tell you the bias I have. As a black man living in the South, As a black man that loves the outdoors, I love to hunt and I love to fish. My mom's from Mexico, my dad's from Panama, my friends call me the red Mexican because I'm like, I'm all in. And here's the deal. I have had to face such discrimination in the outdoors community. And I hate to say it, but I'm just going to give you, I am the beta test, okay? I'm I'm my own experience. And I, I know that most people in the outdoors community are not racist, 
But can I tell you, five times in 2000, in 19 and 20, five times, when I went to go fly fish, there were notes left on my car to go home the N-word. And it broke me. Every single time. And I started to build a rage inside of me. Because how dare they say that a brown man can't do that? And so I finally put a camera in my car. And I saw this older white man write it down, stick it in my window, and drive away. And in the back of his pickup truck, there's a huge American flag. And I'm like, I love America. I love that flag. And it broke me. And you know what it began to do in me? It began to build a bias in me towards old white men with the American flags. Because that flag was being weaponized against me. And the other few times I've been called the N-word in Nashville, Tennessee, there was an American flag involved as well. And so I began to build a bias in my heart. And so when we moved in our new neighborhood, I'm the only black man in my neighborhood. I have great neighbors. But there was this one old white man across the street, probably 75 or 80. Every time I tried to say hi to him, he'd kind of scowl at me and grunt, and go back inside. And I'm like, and I try it and I try it a year. Two years, nothing. Guess what the bias began to form in my heart? The bias was, it's simple. It doesn't take rocket science. I began to form a bias that he doesn't like me because of what I look like. And so I dismissed him. For four years, I dismissed this man. And then last summer, after the tragic death of George Floyd and all the civil unrest and everything that was happening in our country, I look outside and my racist old white man neighbor that I built in my head, has these two white bunnies in his front yard. They're like porcelain bunnies. And I see him walk out with a can of paint. And he kneels down in front of one of the bunnies and he pulls out a paintbrush. I'm like, this is really weird. And he pulls out this paintbrush and he dips it in the can of paint. And he pulls out and it's black. And he starts painting one of the bunnies black. I'm like, oh, what is it? Like World War II Memorial Day or something? Like, why is he doing this? This is kind of a weird tradition. I'm just watching him. And then I'm ready for him to paint the other one black, but he doesn't. He puts the paintbrush back in the paint can. He picks it up and he walks in his house. And I was like, is he doing what I think he's doing? And there was an unsettling in my heart that Holy Spirit was moving. So the next morning, I see him walk out. Again, this is four years of me, not, of me trying to talk to him. We've never said a word to each other. But I walked across the street. I'd never, and I realized I'd never actually walked across the street. I've only waved to him from my house. The second I got within five feet of him, I was like, excuse me, sir. Hi, my name's, Jay. My name's Carlos. I live across the street. And his smile just goes. I was like, he's like, hi, Carlos. I've been waiting to meet you. My name's James. I live here. I live here all by myself. And I'm like, and I go, can you tell me why you painted that bunny black? He goes, oh, with everything that's happening in the country. I can't, I'm scared to go downtown to protest because, yeah, I'm scared I'm going to get COVID. So this is my protest. And I thought I'd paint one of these bunnies black to show people that look like you that I believe that your life matters. And friends, the crumbling of the bias that happened in my heart. And here's the hard step that I'm going to ask a lot of you guys to do. This is what I did. I actually said, I need to apologize to you because I have had bias built against you. Because I thought that someone that looked like you wouldn't like somebody that looked like me. 
because of other experiences I've had. And of course, if you know me, I recorded the whole thing. So let me show you my conversation with James because I believe it can impact a lot of the bias in your heart. Watch this. I've always seen these, and I wanted to come over and say, well, why'd you paint that one black? I think with the motivation of what's going on in yeah. the country, yeah. I wanted to gently... Yeah, that was beautiful. I literally saw that while I was mowing my grass, and I started to cry. And there's this thing called racial bias that I'm trying to help my friends understand that they have. Whereas, you know, someone like me that travels full-time for a living will normally have a bias that says, oh, look, it's an older white gentleman with an American flag up on his door that my bias automatically says, oh, he may not like me. And I just wanted to tell you that, that I am so grateful and that I apologize if I ever assumed anything because that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm when I was growing up, for some reason, my mother hired a, uh, a black lady to keep the house up. Yeah. Laundry, food, cooking. Yeah. yeah. Raise me, all of that stuff. Yeah. And she was a black lady. Who yeah. was a servant. Yeah. Yeah. And she taught me how to do everything. Yeah. And I never felt any indifference uh, wow. for her. Yeah. And for blacks. Sure. So, you know, I don't, I, I could do more. I, was, I could paint them both black. I just said, I'd rather have one. I love that. It was, it was, it was so good. How do you call it out in yourself? How do you call it out in yourself? How do you stand on, don't stand on issues, but walk with people? It's how you do it. See, conversations are going to be what changes communities. Protests can change policies. Conversations will change communities. And this is being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I know, guys, <clears throat> this is a hard pill to swallow. And thank God that there is an outline for us in Acts chapter 8 on how to do it. Hear from Holy Spirit. Walk in the path and the direction that he calls you to go. Go up to the chariot. Go across the street to the neighbor. And at that point, don't stand on issues, but walk with people. Don't demonize the human, but humanize the issue. And I believe when we start doing that, that's when the church is going to be the healing agent in this country. Ain't nobody in the White House going to heal this country. It's only going to be the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection. That is it. And we have that. We've got it. We are the healing agents. Jesus, through us, the hope of glory is the only way out of this. And I'm beginning to see it, and I think it can happen. So 
That's my challenge. That's my challenge. Is to start thinking in your head, who is it? You're gonna need to have this conversation. Who is the Ethiopian Enoch in your life that is begging for you to come and get on their chariot? And for every single person in here has an Ethiopian Enoch in their life. Nobody's getting off the hook. Every single one of us. And I, I can only imagine if a thousand people were to go find the Ethiopian Enoch in their life this week in this community, revival would sweep through your streets if we all did it at one time. Oh, please, Lord, motivate our hearts to do that. Let's pray. God, I, I'm so grateful for the softening of hearts that is happening in this room and in the traditional service room. I'm grateful for the impressing of Holy Spirit in our lives. And what I ask for specifically right now is that you absolutely show us the individuals that we need to go up to their chariots. And may you give us the confidence and the bravery to step into their chariots so that we can explain who Jesus is. We can show them the way, the truth, and the life, and that the hope is in you, not in an agenda, not in a policy, not in a human, but it's in Jesus. May that be our director, for it is by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection that everyone in this room and in the other service shouted amen.